I'm your host, Char Adams, and this is COVID University, New York. Tonight, some 57,660 people will sleep in a New York City shelter. 57,660. And that includes single adults and families with children. Unhoused people across the city have been relying heavily on food pantries to survive. Unhoused New Yorkers sleeping in small dorm-style shelters are at increased risk of contracting and dying from COVID. Despite this fact, Mayor Bill de Blasio has stood in the way of efforts to move unhoused people from high-risk shelters into hotels during the pandemic. Homelessness and housing instability were major problems in New York City before the COVID-19 pandemic began. And the virus has only made life for unhoused people even more difficult. In the City University of New York system, the story is just as disheartening. A 2018 survey found that 55% of CUNY respondents were housing insecure the previous year, and 14% of respondents were homeless in the previous year. Students enduring housing instability already struggle to access resources like the internet, laptops, school supplies, and the pandemic has only exacerbated this need. Some schools have begun loaning out laptops and ramping up their efforts at food pantries, but that has only done a little bit to stem the tide of housing instability and homelessness within CUNY. The health crisis has introduced a whole new group of people to housing instability, with job loss making it difficult for people to even pay their rent. Homelessness and housing instability are some of COVID's most dire consequences. And getting a handle on these in the city and in the CUNY system will require a serious, unprecedented effort from leaders. Because the same things that make people vulnerable to poverty and housing instability are the same things that put people at risk for death during a major health pandemic like COVID-19. Hi, my name is Cassandra Montes, and I am a recent graduate of Lehman College. When I was 19, I moved to New York, and I always had the model that if you make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Then I was in a relationship. You know, things don't work out. <laughs> we had a stable home. I was the one that chose to leave. I also had in mind that I didn't have anywhere to go. So I started looking also for resources for what can I do in my current situation. And I ended up in in the shelter system, unfortunately. Growing up, I was fortunate enough to be in a stable home. My parents both worked. But it was when I decided to be on my own that I was an unstable housing. Because even when I moved to New York, I was renting rooms in different parts of the Bronx. So I basically lived in almost every neighborhood where at least a little time. Hi, I'm Nick Freudenberg. I'm a distinguished professor of public health at the CUNY School of Public Health and Health Policy. I've been at CUNY a long time. I'm a graduate of CUNY. And for the last 12 or 15 years, I've been studying the health of CUNY students and looking at how health and social problems like food insecurity, lack of access to health care, housing problems can make it harder for CUNY students to do well in school. And then looking at what CUNY can do to help students to overcome those problems so that they can succeed in life, in school, and in their daily lives. 
sometimes people think that homelessness came out of nowhere, that it was an inevitable consequence of changes in our society. But I think a deeper analysis shows that it was the result of policy decisions by elected officials and investors. And the good news about that is if it was human decisions that created this problem for us, then human decisions can reverse it. And if we look to what would it take to create safe, affordable housing in New York City, what's the role of government in that? What's the role of real estate interests and investors? Then we could come up with meaningful solutions. When I left, I ended up by, by 161st Street. <laughs> they send you to the shelter that pertains to you and stuff. So I was in a family shelter. I expected the absolute worst, but the one I was sent to was clean. But just the living situation, you have to have the blood for it, or at least have the strength to put yourself in that situation and get out of that situation. Because it's gonna be dreadful, it's gonna be draining, especially if you're a student. Some shelters don't have a place where you can cook, you will probably if you're, you'll be lucky to have a microwave, they are not responsible to, for providing you foods, uh, like meals. So all of that is up to you. And then sometimes it's even more difficult because when you're a student and you're working a part-time job, you're making enough money to support yourself according to the system. But they don't see the behind the scenes. Like, I need food, I need clothing, I need to pay my tuition <laughs> or else I can't continue in the semester. I have student debt or like a number of things, including transportation. So it's always been a really big issue. And then when you're in that situation, also as a student, you don't have Wi-Fi. So submitting assignments on time, studying for tests, it's like, nearly impossible if everything's online. If you have everything on Blackboard or you have things on, in your email, like you have to figure it out with your phone even, and that's if you could like even afford your phone at this point. And also the tribulations of trying just to get stable housing. It took me three years. Some people take some less, some people take some more. So at the same time, it was just like, why am I going through this? But you have to also embrace the journey a little bit because everyone has a story. Not everyone is able to actually speak on their story, but it gives them strength to actually know someone else besides themselves have gone through an issue that is similar. I began my career in public health in New York City in the late 70s, early 1980s. And one of the most dramatic changes in New York City that I observed firsthand was the transformation of homelessness before 1980 being a problem in a relatively small part of the city, lower Manhattan, and a relatively distinct part of the population, mostly older men, many of whom were drug users or alcoholics facing serious psychological and health challenges. And over the next three, four, five years, 
there was an explosion of homelessness that expanded from this defined population to include women and children, families, younger people, and particularly people of color, African-American and Latino New Yorkers. And from what scholars have looked at and what I myself saw, the fundamental cause of that change was the end of federal support for public housing and supported housing. And that happened early in the Reagan administration as part of his dismantling of safety nets and dismantling of some of the advances of the New Deal going back to the Depression and World War II. All three years at Lehman, I was in the shelter and I used to use the food pantry in order to make meals at home because I was working part-time to pay my tuition and it was like all my money was going to tuition and kind of like paying daycare and <laughs> it was just like they was never enough. So yeah, so most of my, my time at Lehman, I was just in the struggle, <laughs> you can say. The hardest part of my schooling was juggling everything. My gateway and like my peace of mind was always in campus. Like I knew I always had someone to go to in campus and I never wanted to go back to the shelter. So I would be on campus super early and leave super late. And that caused a lot of fatigue. Like I overworked myself while I was in undergrad, but I had like faculty support. I had staff support and stuff like you could do this. It's, it's okay, this is a challenge, yes, but you're gonna get through it. And that's what kind of helped me. But also juggling being a mom, being a student, being an employee, and having everything else in life happen at the same time. It was mentally draining, physically draining, and that was practically the hardest hardship that I had because me juggling everything at the same time, I wouldn't really notice that I wasn't eating. So sometimes I would like starve myself and it's just like, I'll, I know I'm hungry, but I'll just get caught up in a lot of, lot of work and it just, I'll just forget about it. I wake up the next morning and wouldn't even realize that I didn't eat all day. Through the work we've done, on looking at CUNY's, uh, CUNY students' housing circumstances, we've come to see it's not that either a student is stably, safely housed, or they're out in the street. There's a continuum of circumstances, and we found it most helpful to look at that continuum. On one end of the continuum is students who have a safe place to live, a source of income that they can pay rent regularly, feel the support of people who are living in the household with them, whether it's family members or friends. And on the other end of the continuum are CUNY students who don't have a place to stay, you know, who are either in a shelter or out on the street. But between those two endpoints, there are a lot of CUNY students who worry, are they going to be evicted because they can't pay rent? Are they going to be kicked out by their family because they're 
gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender? Are they worried about being beaten up by their partner and therefore having to leave? Are they worried that someone in their family is going to lose a job and not be able to pay rent? So it's that, and we think there's a significant proportion of CUNY students who are, you know, the term that uh, academics use is unstable housing, that they aren't confident that they'll be in that place a month or two months from now. And that puts a big burden on being able to focus on academic work. It leads many students to leave school in order to work more so that they can afford to pay rent because it's hard to stay in school if you don't have stable housing. Well, besides New York being one of the most expensive states to ever live in, (laughs) the biggest barrier was being overqualified or being underqualified for every job you apply to. It didn't matter the amount of experience or that you have done. It just kind of circles back to, wow, I'm really in the poverty level. (laughs) I can't even afford a place of my own. And being that when you have family, you can't go and rent a room because not everyone that is renting rooms agrees with that. So a lot of the living situations in New York is kind of complex, especially when you're going through a situation as mine. Paying a $1,300, $1,400 rent for a one bedroom is ridiculous when you're going through school. You have tuition that is about $3,000, $4,000, almost $5,000 a semester. You're trying to keep up with your education to provide a better future for your kids or provide a better future for yourself, but then you have nowhere to live. So it's like, it's kind of a give and take situation. And I understand that, but sometimes not everyone is fortunate to find a well-paying job that will allow you to take care of yourself, take care of more responsibilities or debt. And you already put yourself in a lot of debt when you're going through housing and food insecurity. Like now you're maximizing your credit cards, you're paying them just to put the debt right back in. And it's, it's a whole cycle that it's hard to get out of. And I feel like that was one of my biggest challenges just like getting into stable housing is not having the sufficient funds to actually be on my own we'll be right back after these messages if you're a fan of this show you might also want to check out our sister series the big shut-in long-form conversations with all kinds of people real people all around the country to find out the variety of what they're dealing with and how they're coping during the coronavirus crisis. It's unscripted and intimate and really gives you a view into people's lives as they navigate a truly difficult time. You can find The Big Shut-In at racecarradio.com and wherever you get podcasts. So I think COVID uh, has made the lives of all New Yorkers, all people in the United States, all people in the world, and in particular CUNY students more difficult in several ways. Probably the most striking way is the combination of social isolation and loss of income. Social isolation 
means that CUNY students can no longer go to the campus for the most part, don't have the support of their friends, their peers, their faculty, the support staff. And so it's much more difficult for them to get help for a problem, whether it's an academic problem, a psychological problem, or a problem getting health care, dealing with housing, and so on. So it's harder to get help, and people feel more alone. And then I think the second big impact from the pandemic has been the loss of household income. So many people in New York City, and according to our survey, so many CUNY students had someone in their household lose a job as a result of the pandemic. About 30% of the CUNY students who answered our survey said that someone in their household had lost a job. And that's probably an underestimate because people had different work relationships. And so that means less money for food, less money for anything that you need to support academic success, buying textbooks, Wi-Fi, internet access. So I think that loss of income together with the isolation made things much more difficult for our students. I graduated in December 2019. So for me, it was kind of a relief that I graduated before COVID and who would have known this would have happened. But I also was moved on to a stabilized homing after like before COVID. So it kind of released certain worries that a lot of people would be going through. But nevertheless, it's still been kind of an obstacle because trying to get a better job to, you know, support my family and also my household now that I do have a place of my own. You know, when you just hear good news at the beginning and it sounds great, it's like a whole painted rainbow for you. And then as time goes by, that feeling deteriorates because now you have other obstacles and you have to like overcome them as well. So it's just like, yeah, I got through this, but now I have to get through even more stuff in order for me to feel some type of relief. And I just feel like when COVID hit, it hit hard and it just didn't hit hard for me. It hit hard on my son because I have to currently be at work in person. So for him to be doing virtual school, it's it was just a challenge for both of us to get on the same page and also to get on the same page as the teacher. And I know it has been a life-changing experience for everyone, but in my case, it was, I always have been busy even during my undergrad because I, I believe education is the key to success, especially in my case. And that's why I went through a lot of the challenges that I did go through, but nevertheless, always seeking my education because I was gonna regardless go through that, through homelessness and food insecurity on my own. But being that I was part of a CUNY campus, I felt like I had more of a support system because there's people that guided me to certain resources that didn't really help 
what led me to even more resources that actually did help or research that I did or asking questions that led me to the place that I'm at now and the persistency of it. So in terms of solutions, we believe the most appropriate solution is to identify students who are unstably housed and provide them with the support they need to maintain stable housing. And CUNY has made some progress in that, but I think could do much better. Even before the pandemic, there were emergency loan programs at most CUNY campuses where if a student was at risk of eviction, they could get an emergency loan to pay their rent and avoid that eviction. That's a good thing, but the resources available for that were way below what students actually needed. The demand was much greater. And those resources were increased as a result of some of the federal legislation around the pandemic and also as a result of philanthropic donations to CUNY. And so each campus had an expanded pool of money to help students keep housing and avoid the risks of being unstably housed. But again, there isn't a systematic method of identifying people who are at risk of housing problem and intervening early. The most shocking thing that I've learned about housing insecurity is that I wasn't the only one. Every day I found out someone was housing and food insecure in some form of way. Once you go through a situation like this or any situation that anyone else can relate to, always remember to give back to your community or give back to someone else or pass down the resources that helped you get through your situation to others because you never know when it could be a life-changing experience for you or for that person. And sometimes we feel like we're in a dead end. And when we have that one person give us any information or any relevant information to us, that's where the light at the end of the tunnel brightens the most because we always, always, always remember those who have helped us and have encouraged us and who continue to be part of our lives no matter what. It doesn't matter where we at. We're still very appreciative of that one instance that changed everything. My name is Shar Adams and this is COVID University, New York. It was produced by David Hoffman, post-production by Garrett Tiedemann, executive producer Peter Christian Eigner. This is a co-production of the Gotham Center for New York City History and Race Car Radio. Initial funding for this series was generously provided by the Seed Time Fund and Lauren Kramer. If you have feedback for us, You can reach us through our Facebook page or email us at coviduniversity at racecarradio.com. If you like the show, please subscribe now and never miss an episode. Just go to racecarradio.com or find us on any of your favorite podcast apps.